Hello, JCI USA. You are here for the second episode of the EmpowerCast uh, series with JCI USA. And today we are really going to delve into the challenges facing healthcare as a result of uh, COVID 19 and the pandemic. Um, I am so excited to have two special guests with me. I have Teresa Pina, who is the Vice President of Operations at Gulf Coast Regional Blood Center. Hello, Hi. Teresa. Hi there. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You want to give a little bit of information about your role and kind of what you do at the Gulf Coast Regional Blood Center? Sure. So I'm the vice president of operations here at Gulf Coast Regional Blood Center. We are headquartered in Houston, Texas, and we serve over 170 hospitals and healthcare institutions and the largest medical center in the world here in Houston. I also um, work with America's Blood Centers, and that's an association within our industry who really works to uh, create resources and tools that are available to community blood centers across the United States to help them recruit more blood donors and their local communities. And ultimately, our job as blood centers is to make sure that when you go to the hospital and you need blood, that's really the last thing that you've thought about. We want you to leave that burden up to us. We'll make sure it's there so that you have it when you need it. I love it. I also have Maria Newcomb, who is a registered nurse. Maria, it's so good to have you. Thank you. Same thing here, too. I'm excited. To <laughs> Maria's be here. Actually, yeah, Maria's actually an old friend. Um, she was a past state president of the New Jersey uh, JCI, and, and we're excited to have her. So, Maria, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of what you do in healthcare? All right. Thank you, Danielle. My name is Maria Newcomb. I am a registered nurse for over 20 years. Um, I am an emergency um, nurse at Morristown Medical Center of Atlantic Health System. And I have been an emergency nurse for almost um, eight years and also a cardiac nurse for 12 years. Um, and I love being a nurse. And I actually, it's my passions. Uh, my, my family and background um, has a lot of people in the medical field. So this is why I became uh, one reason why I'm in the medical field because of them. So that being said, thank you for being here and inviting, <laughs> inviting oh, me. Welcome. I really wanted to kind of explore the, the challenges facing healthcare from the perspective of people who work in the field. Um, so I really want you to kind of tell me about your role in healthcare as a whole, and then the immediate changes that you have personally seen with the arrival of COVID-19. Sure, I, I can go first. This is Teresa again. And, you know, from the blood centers across the nation, you know, our role is to encourage people to donate blood voluntarily um, at least three times a year is really what we're all asking for. Something that's a little more, um, you know, consistent and not just donating when you see that there may be a national disaster or something of that sort, but just make it kind of a routine thing that we all do. You know, things have changed over time and our baby boomers grew up in a time of war when blood donations were just something that you did. And the farther we've gotten away from that time period, the more people have really gotten out of the habit of feeling like blood donations are more like a civic duty. And as our, our baby boomers are getting older, we're working on replacing those with some of our younger donors. 
And that's been a challenge because we have this aging population um, that for one reason or another are going to become ineligible to donate, whether it's the medication they're on or whether it's um, they're just not able to make their donations. And so something that blood centers are working on to contribute to healthcare is really encouraging those young people to get engaged. And then, you know, when you ask about the changes with the arrival of COVID, well, goodness, you know, we've asked people to stay home, um, don't go out in the public. And, you know, the blood centers are an integral part of the healthcare system. And, you know, let's say the hospital needs more Band-Aids. Well, they buy more Band-Aids. But if the hospital needs more blood, well, we really need donors to make those blood donations available so that they have those products. So blood centers are really faced with how do we get people to donate blood during a time where they're asked to stay home? And it was really making sure that people understood that blood donations are essential. Just like you need to go to the grocery store, that's essential to provide food. Blood donations are essential. And so we've worked through that in a lot of uh, places across the country. The community has responded very, very, very well. Um, there are other places and times where it just becomes very difficult um, to get people to, to, you know, step out of their uh, homes and, and go out and make a donation. So is there a, with blood centers specifically, is there a way that organizations could uh, set up a blood drive uh, on behalf of those facilities? Absolutely. You know, we do blood drives in the Houston area. We do about 7,000 blood drives a year. And, you know, one of our challenges with COVID was that a lot of people started working from home. And so, you know, would normally we would go to an office building and people would come down throughout their workday and they donate blood. Well, these office buildings are they're, they're empty. And so we really shifted over to more community blood drives. So we've reached out in our community and we've asked people that are either community um, leaders or business owners to open up their facilities, open up their businesses for blood drives. And, you know, if you're one of those individuals and, and you can facilitate a blood drive, it's so easy to do. Blood centers will teach you how to do everything, teach you what's needed to, to set up the blood drives. It's free for a business to set up a blood drive. All you have to do is contact your um, community blood center and they can get you started on that. I love it. I want to bounce over to Maria and kind of ask you the same question. Um, tell me about your role in healthcare and then the immediate changes that you saw uh, with the arrival of COVID-19. And I, I know you personally, so I know that um, for you, working in an emergency unit, it was definitely like when like in the winter of time. So when COVID actually started here in the United States was back in, in was actually in January last year. You know, we were screening flu symptoms like symptoms, flu-like symptoms to our, to our patients who are coming to emergency room. And when I heard that there are more screening that we need to actually, yes, being in the uh, front line. And I would say personally, my perspective, uh, when we, when I heard about the COVID-19 hitting U United States, it actually scared, scared me because we were getting emails um, at work saying that we need to start screening our patients coming into the emergency department. We always do our screening in terms of, you know, if they have a flu or flu-like symptoms. This was asked to our patients coming in. All those, you know, the areas where there were COVID. So it was a very scary moment for, for me personally. 
every 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 day or every night I go to, to my start my shift, uh, we would have huddles, and our management, our leadership would actually would give us information about how we would do things. And every day, it's always changing, and so this was this was very difficult. The changes and everything, we we could not sometimes keep up with it. So that was definitely um, the, the major thing that was an eye opener because. When it started to hit New York um, area, I believe in March, investigated patients, you know, we have to separate them in separate units and we have to also have patients that were not at risk of, uh, who had like no symptoms of COVID. So like I said, like there's a lot of changes that happened during the time. It was a very scary moment. It was becoming more specific, targeting like where did they come from? Where did they travel? Specifically like countries like Asia, China. We always have to keep on top of each other's um, in terms of changes are and how we're supposed to be um, uh, receiving them from the outside. It was definitely, it was an eye opener. That's all I can say. Um, And it it made me learn more about being caring to my other healthcare workers, as well as the people who are outside, like um, getting so scared about what this COVID is all about. Um, So I, um, I just became more caring. That's basically what I'm, you know. Um, I can say too as well. Did either of you experience a shift in how how much you had to work or uh, how your shift may have changed or the expectations that were on you during basically the entire entirety of 2020? You know, I think for me, um, the amount of hours I committed to my job, that didn't really change. But I really had to stretch myself, I had to learn about new things, such as convalescent plasma, you know, blood centers across the nation, and very short order had to start collecting convalescent plasma. And there were a lot of rules, we were, you know, they were in clinical trials. And so really trying to understand how much we needed to collect who we're going to collect it from, you know, what is the eligibility? you know, making sure that one, we're, we're doing all of those things because our hospitals started to have growing needs for uh, convalescent plasma to treat the, the patients in their hospitals. While at the same time, we're also having to adapt our operations to ensure that now we're socially distancing our donors. We are, you know, we're governed by the FDA, so we have a lot of rules and regulations already, but that was increased significantly when we talk about adding all the disinfecting protocols and, um, you know, making sure that when we invited donors out that it was safe as possible. So I would say that I didn't spend um, more time, but my time was spent very differently. And I would say that 2020, although it was a year of a lot of challenges, I would say that I was stretched as far as, you know, learning more, um, thinking about things very differently, uh, coming up with solutions because it really was needed in our community, how we could, you know, process these donors and get them in better and, you know, remove any kind of roadblocks that would exist for, people that have recovered from COVID-19, getting them to come in and make that convalescent plasma donation. So I would say that what's, that's what changed for me more than just the hours. It was just the mental state that we, we had to stay in all year long and, and even on into this year. So in my case, healthcare professional, healthcare workers were actually um, noted that they were getting, starting to get sick. 
Um, so we were actually stretching that way. Some of the healthcare workers were starting to call out, getting the, uh, some of the COVID symptoms. So we were um, low with staff nurses. Um, even our doctors are actually getting sick too. So staffing wise became like an issue. Um, there were also became an issue with the supplies, with the PPEs and all that stuff. So when supplies were going uh, going down in terms of our protective uh, personal protective equipment, that became like really an issue and challenge um, during the time um, when the COVID started. Uh, we actually had to recycle and repeat the use of our N95s, uh, which is not normally the regular way to do it. Because once you go, you use it, you know, you actually throw it away and, and you know, and get a new one. Uh, but that's not in the case when the COVID started in, um, in the in springtime of last year. We actually have to repeat, um, reuse them. They actually they have to do an ultraviolet cleaning to our some of our N95s and got to use them for about one week use of it. So which is what's not not very safe. That was the, you know that was a very frustrating part of it too. So that was a challenging area um, when staffing became low, our PPEs became a problem. So I want to bounce back to you, Teresa. Can for those of us who don't maybe or aren't familiar with healthcare in general, can you give us an insight into what convalescent plasma is um, and and what the benefits of that are? Sure. So convalescent plasma is um, taken from a, a donor who has recovered from COVID nineteen. So your body, in order to fight off any type of illness creates antibodies. And so those um, exist in your plasma. They float around. They, you know, helped you get better. And so what we do is when you donate convalescent plasma, what we do is we take out your blood and it, it runs through a centrifuge and it's a closed circuit. So I know sometimes people freak out because they're like, oh my gosh, I, once you take it, I don't want it back. But it's in a closed system and it separates out the different blood components and it gives you back your red blood cells and your platelets and we extract out the plasma and that plasma is very rich in COVID antibodies if you've recovered from COVID-19 and then um, taking that into the hospital early on there were a lot of clinical trials that showed some benefits for people that had reached a point where um, they were in ICU cases for COVID-19. And by giving these patients the plasma that was enriched with the antibodies, it basically gave their body like a jump start to getting better. And, you know, as we moved on and as healthcare moved on throughout all of this, because we're all learning, we're all learning um, at what point it's better to give convalescent plasma and how to treat patients, they started giving it a little earlier on, more preventative, help prevent you from getting to ICU. I know in our local market, I'm sure it's different from hospital to hospital based on plasma um, inventory levels. But so what we started to see is because they were using it differently, um, we started to see a bigger increase in the need. So convalescent plasma, if you have recover from COVID-19 and you have a documented test from a local um, physician or a local laboratory, um, you bring that to your blood center 
and they qualify you to donate convalescent plasma. And all we ask is that you have not had any symptoms for 14 days and that you have your documentation. And then we check you for eligibility, uh, just like a regular blood donor. And then now you're a convalescent plasma donor and you're helping the most critical people in our community right now. That's really awesome information. Um, It kind of uh, leads us into another question one thing that I noticed last year, and Maria, you referenced this, was uh, the supply of PPE, but in general, supply supply across the United States uh, was a challenge. So what are some things that you learned about supply ba- availability and production um, during the last year? Uh, okay, so for me... Um, it, it was, like I said, it was, it was lacking of supply when it all started. We have noticed, though, that the community and the people around our area, when we learned that they learned that our PPEs were going down and were lacking and were actually fleeing um, for donations, they actually reacted to that. I do remember, though, I had sent out a message, an uh, email to my dentist because I know my dentist's office were closed um, during the pandemic. They actually responded by, you know, donating um, many of their PPEs, their masks, their, their gloves, their shields and all that stuff to our hospital. So it became like a very high demand. And actually, we're very happy that they actually uh, responded to our plea of help um, during a time when the COVID was very high. Now, though, um, I can say it's not as the same as it was before. Definitely, if I, we don't recycle it anymore, which is a good thing. I actually, you know, they actually, if I don't, if I need a new N95 or something like that, or face shield, they are there available for me to use, uh, especially in, in a high risk environment that I work. Uh, I feel more actually saved. Um, you know, comparison from back in the sept- in, in springtime, the PPEs were set definitely was, you know, was not supplied easily. But now I can definitely say there are, you know, supplied and easy, uh, easy to come about when we do ask for them. And then I would say from the blood center perspective on supply, you know, we had some similar concerns with PPE and, you know, making sure that, you know, we had all of, you know, the gloves and the um, face mask. And, you know, we even had, you know, there was a moment where we were thinking, okay, maybe lancets that, you know, you prick your fingers with for different tests, maybe those weren't going to be available anymore, those types of things. And so we really worked through that as an industry and we found alternate um, suppliers. But when we when I think about supply availability, I think the one that I probably learned the most from was you know, how quickly um, the national blood supply can change. You know, we went from a point where COVID hit and then you started to see the um, hospitals start uh, stop doing elective surgeries. Well, and when you stop seeing the elective surgeries, you stop using as much blood. And so blood has a shelf life. And so we as an industry became concerned because if they're not doing elective surgeries, the blood could expire. And that's the last thing you want to do with a gift from one of your blood donors. But then when hospitals, you know, started back in on those elective surgeries, it was fast and they had a backlog of patients that they were trying to get through quicker. And so the need for us to supply more blood um, was even more pressing. And so getting those donors to come back in and now we need more of them. Um, I think that for me was, um, 
it was very eye opening to see because, you know, oftentimes we think of, you know, people in trauma situations, those people use a lot of blood and, you know, with people not traveling around as much, you know, you think, well, you're not going to have as many traumas, but you don't think about mothers that are delivering babies and how much blood they um, can use. And if they start hemorrhaging, you know, cancer patients, just because we're in the middle of a global pandemic, cancer patients were still receiving chemotherapy and still needed uh, blood transfusions to keep their, their uh, chemotherapy going. Um, And so there's a whole wide variety of different things that people still use blood for, despite stay at home orders, despite um, hospitals not doing elective surgery. So I would say the best lesson for me was really understanding that whole supply and demand and, and how different it is from, you know, being able to, you know, if somebody needs more widgets, well, you fire up the machine, the, the assembly line, you make more widgets. Well, that's not really how blood centers can operate. You know, we're taking, a human and we are trying to convince them to give us the raw material to make these blood products so that they're available for patients. So I would say that was probably my best lesson learned uh, last year, just the significant impact some small changes can really make. And I think for me, one thing that I enjoyed seeing in a, in a season where it has seemed so divided as a nation, uh, during those initial months, it was really neat to watch businesses kind of shut down production of what they were working on and restructure so that they could produce what was needed uh, mm-hmm. for healthcare in general, but also just the American people. Um, and I think about all of the distilleries that went from, you know, producing high content alcohol and then, you know, switching over to hand sanitizers uh, so that people were able to keep their hands clean and, and stay safe. So I think that was just really an, a fascinating aspect. I don't know that I, w- I have ever been old enough to see that actually take place uh, in a time of emergency uh, where businesses literally just change production altogether of what they, they create. So that was, um, Really good to see and and also see production of PPE, but also uh, ventilators being produced as well. I would say even from our perspective as a blood center in the Houston area, we had a couple of distilleries um, provide hand sanitizer to us for free when you really couldn't even buy hand sanitizer anywhere at the time. So I would agree with you. It is absolutely amazing to see how many people in our community really stepped up and contributed to keep essential personnel, you know, moving forward and essential businesses um, providing the services that they provide. So I would agree with you on that one for sure. That is true. Maria, as a healthcare worker, did you see the community kind of change its response to you in general or, or to healthcare workers in general? Um, Yes, I definitely, um, I, I did see um, a great norms of, of gratitude um, from the community uh, being a healthcare worker. Um, they're actually very gratitude and um, appreciative of, of what we're actually doing because we were the front, frontliners and that we were there to keep the community safe. 
um, you know, we do to like tell our, pay, our, our advice, we advise our community or my friends and family that who I come close with that, that you know, please trust science, you know, um, listen to them. Uh, wearing masks definitely helps. Hand, san, um, doing hand washing or sanitizing um, your hands um, at all times, wherever you go, it definitely will help reduce the risk of the spreading of COVID. And social distancing definitely is one of the things that I believe um, helped as well. You know, at the hospital, it's so easy to see so close, but now our infrastructure in a hospital is so different. We actually have everything so diff um, set up differently where we have all the rooms, um, the hallways that we used to have in emergency room are definitely dull distance. They're not, they're not very close to each other anymore. We all, we all have um, different um, rooms. They all have single rooms now. We can't um, put them together anymore in one room. They're all actually in different, um, they're all actually in single rooms. So I definitely say um, in the community wise, we've been shown of, a bear, of appreciation. Um, many of my um, neighbors here would, had sent me a text message of how we're doing. Actually, a couple of them had sent us food um, during the time of, the, you know, when it all this started, because we knew that, you know, they know that I'm, a, I'm an emergency nurse and I'm a night shift that I have three children. So they did respond to that the kind of way that, hey, is there anything I can help you with or how, can, how else can I help you guys with during this time of, of difficulty? So, yeah, I mean, I'm very um, happy how actually some of our, our, my neighbors here are actually very nice and, and, and very um, appreciative of everything that we do in, uh, to keep the community safe. That's awesome. What has been the most frustrating thing over the last year that you have kind of seen or learned? I wouldn't say that there's necessarily anything frustrating as much as there has been certainly a lot to learn. You know, I think that when you um, you, you have your employees out on the front line uh, collecting blood and making sure that they're safe and making sure that you know, we're keeping the donors that we've encouraged to come out, making sure that you're keeping them safe. I think being able to juggle all of that while you're still collecting and providing for your local community hospitals, I would say, I think we learned a lot from that. But as far as frustrating, I think it was really, like I said earlier, it was just an opportunity for growth um, and, you know, learning new things. And in my part, the most the frustrating thing for us here is like, what the heck? What is this? Where did this come from? You know, like we were we would always have this annual training of how to do down downing and doffing our PPEs and all that stuff. But when it actually happened, we all were like, oh, my God, like what's happening? Like this is actually happening you know so we actually had to retrain ourselves like we had to go back to um, our annual training on how to do all that stuff so that was the frustrating part because we thought we were ready we thought we were ready for a public health crisis you know the the fact is we were not ready for it so we, it was just a surprise kind of I mean definitely a surprise I mean I guess we would say when flu comes we're ready for that you know but I guess when because of the the un, not, not knowing what this is about, this disease, the COVID, that was the frustrating part. We were, it was very scary. Um, we were scared for our life uh, because we wouldn't know what, if we were going to bring this disease or flu or virus, I'm sorry, virus to our home. Are we going to spread it to our family? So that was the frustrating and scary part. 
So for my personally, when I would come, I when after my shift, I'll come home. I remove all my scrubs in my garage and, you know, make sure that nothing, nothing that came from work goes inside my house. I will go straight to the shower, take, you know, um, change and everything and then make sure that, you know, I don't spread this or give this to my family. I'm very fortunate that I didn't. And I'm also very fortunate to share to you that I believe um, a virus was starting to come out of, out there in the public. They were they said that we have to keep our immunity up. So I was advised by my friends actually to take vitamins, vitamin C and zinc. And I started doing that. So I actually learned taking vitamins and taking care of myself. And because of, I think because of that, that helped me and saved me because I, when I got tested back in May, I'm actually was positive antibodies. You know, of course, with the unit that I'm working, I'm very high, highly exposed to the virus. So I got exposed and my body fought it. And because of it, I've developed antibodies, you know, taking care of myself that helped me um, not spread it to my family uh, or to um, or to anybody here in, the, in my community. So as we kind of wrap up, I'm so grateful that you guys were willing to come on and just kind of share your experiences. What is one piece of advice uh, or a plea that you would kind of like to leave listeners with? I would say if you want to find a community um, by giving back and providing for your neighbor, donate blood. Um, There's always a need for blood in our communities or host a blood drive if you're not eligible to donate blood. And you can find your local community blood bank by going to aabb.org and put in your zip code and it will show you who's in your local community and who's providing blood to your hospitals. Yes, actually, that's very good, uh, Teresa. Of, um, so I actually am one of the blood donors too, since I was um, was positive on antibodies. And that was one of the things that I did to give back to my community as well. Um, for my other health perspective wise, make sure, trust science. For me, uh, you know, now that they have vaccinations, um, you know, coming around and um, giving it to the community, I, I say get yourself vaccinated with this co- with the COVID-19 vaccine that they are actually giving out um, uh, to, the, to the public. Get registered to get vaccinated. Continue masking, do your hand washing and sanitizing um, your hands when you go out and do uh, continue social distancing. So those are my things that I still um, would advise the community to to still do because we can definitely end this pandemic, this this virus. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. I'm so excited you were on with us. I am beyond grateful for the wisdom that you share uh, with not only uh, JCIUSA members, but uh, just friends uh, and other young people across the United States. So thank you for coming on. Um, and we definitely wish you the best through the remainder of this pandemic. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having us. JCI USA is a nonprofit organization that aims to provide development opportunities that empower young people to create positive change. If you are interested in standing up to make a positive change in yourself and your community, you can learn more about our organization and how to join or create your own chapter by visiting jciusa.org.